Well, as we come to the preaching of the Word, shall we pray? Psalm 119 tells us, Your Word, Lord, is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Lord, we thank you that your Word is a light for us. It guides us. It teaches us. Lord, today we pray your Word gets into our lives and challenges us, strengthens our faith. So bless the word by the power of your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, when I'm out in the front yard of our house, I sometimes speak to a neighbour who is walking his dog. He walks the dog often. It is an elderly dog. It needs to walk a short distance, but needs to walk frequently. And I was chatting to him and I said, and your name was John? He said, no, my name's Paul. I said, ah. I got the wrong biblical character. And then he said, as long as you don't call me Judas. (laughs) Now, I don't know Paul all that well to know about his Bible knowledge, but he certainly knew that Judas was the bad guy. And in our ever-increasing secular society, most people would know that Judas was the bad guy in the Jesus story. And if we were to survey the top 100 baby names within Australia, I don't think we'd find the name Judas. I mean, who would call their kid Judas? The name Judas. Ever since the Gospels were written, Judas has been clearly identified as the bad guy, as the betrayer. So, for example, his, his, his name, when it's mentioned in the Bible, always has, has betrayer after it. So when we look at Mark 3, right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, when Jesus was choosing his 12, 12 disciples, it tells us these words. These were the twelve Jesus chose, Simon, who who he named Peter, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, but Jesus named them the sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Right there, at the very beginning, his name is attached, betrayer. Judas and the word betrayer go hand in hand. Well, today we continue to continue a series which is leading up to Easter called, called The Upper Room, and that is events that happen in and around Jesus' Last Supper with his disciples in that upper room. And today's theme is the betrayal. Ron read the words to us in John 13, verse, verse 21, during the Last Supper. Now, Jesus was deeply troubled and he exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. And the disciples seemed shocked and they were dumbfounded that Jesus would say such a thing. Did Jesus really mean that one of them, his close disciples, his friends, would be capable of such a thing? So it was John who was sitting next to Jesus. He sort of leant against him and said, Who is it, Lord? Who is it? The text tells us in verse 26 and following, Jesus responded, It is the one to whom I give the bread I dip in the bowl. And when he had dipped it in, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. When Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus told him, Hurry and do what you're going to do. None of the others at the table knew knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was the treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to go out and pay for the food or to give some money to the poor. So Judas left that once going out into the night. So it would seem that even after 
Jesus' very direct actions in giving the bread to Judas, the other disciples could not believe that Judas could be a betrayer. They thought Jesus was sending him out on some business errand. But we know, and Jesus knew better. The word betray is defined as to expose someone to danger by treacherously giving information to an enemy. And that is what Jesus was, Judas was in the process of doing. He was conspiring with Jesus' enemies. So who were Jesus' enemies? Well, when we read the Gospels, it doesn't take us long to find out. So, for example, the beginning of Mark chapter 3, Jesus has just started his, his, his public ministry and he performs a wonderful miracle, a fellow with a withered hand, he makes his hand whole. But he did it in a synagogue on the Sabbath. And we say, Jesus, Jesus, why, if you want to play it safe, why did you perform your miracles on a Sabbath day because the because the religious leaders believed that acts of healing, that was work. And therefore Jesus was working on the Sabbath day, breaking the commandments, and he was sinning. Um, but Jesus said to them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill, but they remained silent. So Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. And his withered hand became whole and suddenly had two good hands. We think Jesus just gave this, man life, this man's life back to him. He wouldn't be able to work, but now with two good hands, he could work. A wonderful miracle of God. What was the reaction of the religious leaders? It tells us. Then the Pharisees went out and they began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Right at the beginning, beginning of Mark chapter 3. The Pharisees and the religious leaders would say that they were Jesus' enemies because he was a blasphemer. He claimed to be able to forgive people's sins. He even claimed that he was the son of God. But reading between the lines, we know that they were actually jealous of Jesus and they were frustrated because they were unable to exert their considerable influence over him. They were unable to control him. To them, Jesus was too much of a loose cannon. So they began to plot how they might kill Jesus and it was Judas who provided them that opportunity. Matthew chapter 26, verses 14 to 16. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priests and asked, how much will you pay me to portray Jesus for you? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. From that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. We ask ourselves, why did Judas do it? Well, our text, which we read today, at the Last Supper said, when he ate the bread, Satan entered into him. Was it Satan's fault? Was Judas like a robot? Was Satan has entered into me? I cannot control myself. I must betray Jesus. Was it like that? Why did Jesus do it? I think an answer for us is given in the words of Paul. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 to 27, Paul wrote these words. In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. 
Do not give the devil a foothold. Here, the Apostle Paul tells us that it can be our own actions, our own sins that give the devil a foothold in our lives. It's the things we do, the decisions we make can open the door for Satan to have influence in our lives. This was certainly the case with Judas. There were things that he was doing in his own life that gave the devil a foothold. How do we know? Bible tells us so. John chapter 12. Now the background of this reading is that it is a beautiful story. Jesus was with a family. Mary, Mary, Martha and their brother Lazarus. We know about them. Lazarus, Jesus had just raised from, from the dead. He was having a meal with them and uh, during the meal as he reclined at table, Mary came with an alabaster jar of perfume and she knelt at Jesus' feet and she poured the expensive perfume over Jesus' feet and dried his feet with, with her hair. It is one of the most tender and beautiful stories within the New Testament of someone's love and devotion to Jesus. But not everyone saw it that way. One of them was Judas. This is what it says. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who, who would soon betray him, there it is again, the word betray, linked link whenever the Judas name is mentioned, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. So the Bible tells us that Judas was living a double life. On the outside, he appeared to one of Jesus' devoted disciples but secretly he was practising the habitual sin of greed. The love of money had taken a hold of him. He often stole from the Jesus Fund. He had given the devil a foothold. Offering to, to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver was another step in his growing habitual sin of greed, of putting money first. His habitual sin had opened the door for Satan and in John 13 tells us that Satan entered through that door. Satan entered into him. Now friends, there is a lesson we can take away today for all of us. It's to take the words of Paul to heart. Do not give the devil a foothold. Now none of us are perfect, of course. We all sin, we know that. But it is the harbouring of habitual sin that can give Satan a foothold in our lives. Habitual sin, sin we habitually keep on doing because deep down we don't want to stop. Actions of sin can take a hold of us. Actions of sin can begin to, to control us. It can lead to addictions. I believe addictions, they are a spiritual battle. We need to examine our lives in the light of God's word and the Holy Spirit. And if his Holy Spirit makes us feel uncomfortable because we know that we are harbouring some habitual sin, then cut it out. Stop it today. You see, that's what Jesus meant when he said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Make a clean break of it. 
Otherwise, we give the devil a foothold in our lives and like Judas, we can begin to live a double life, appearing a good Christian, living piously on the outside, while on the inside we're harbouring sin that is an affront to our Lord Jesus Christ. It will eventually catch up with us, that is for certain. And like Judas, if it grows and grows, may even destroy us. So let us all be warned. Do not give the devil a foothold. But another fascinating part of today's story from the upper room is that Jesus knew all about Judas. He seemed to know from the beginning that Judas would betray him. That's what the Bible tells us. John chapter 6 Now, the context of this reading is that many were turning away from following Jesus because they found his teaching too difficult. So Jesus turned to the 12 and said, what about you guys? Do you want to leave too? It was Peter who replied and said, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Then it tells us, and Jesus replied, have I not chosen you, the 12? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who though one of the twelve was later to betray him. So there are. Jesus knew all about Judas. He knew about his habitual sin of greed. He knew that he would eventually betray him. And yet, he still kept Judas as one of his disciples. He still washed Judas' feet in that upper room. He still shared his last supper with him. He still kept Judas close to him. In short, Jesus still loved him. And despite Jesus being, Judas being his betrayer, Jesus still forgave him. How do we know this? Because when he was dying on the cruel cross of Calvary, Jesus uttered the astounding prayer, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And that prayer for forgiveness included Judas. And that prayer included the Jewish religious leaders who told all the lies. It included Pontius Pilate who washed his hands. His prayer for forgiveness included the Roman soldiers who beat him and mocked him and drove the nails into his hands and feet. It included a man named Saul who would persecute him. Jesus' prayer for forgiveness included the world's worst sinners. It included Adolf Hitler. It even includes President Putin of Russia. But most astoundingly of all, Jesus' prayer for forgiveness included you and me. And so so today's story from the upper room on the theme of betrayal leads us to God's grace. The wonderful grace of God shown to us through Jesus that no matter who we are and no matter what we have done, even if we are as bad as Judas... Jesus knows all about us and he forgives us. We're going to have a brief time of reflection now and you may want to reflect 
on that issue of don't give the devil a foothold. Let the Holy Spirit look at our lives. Are we harbouring something? Are we harbouring a habitual sin which we need to confess and we need to end and stop? That's one of the things that we can contemplate over just a minute or two. So shall we pray together? If in this time of silence the Holy Spirit has revealed something about our lives, then I pray, Lord, you'll give us the courage to do something about it, to cut it out, to stop it, and fill that void with your Holy Spirit, we pray. And Lord, we thank you for your wonderful grace. How could you forgive Judas, who betrayed you like that? We can ask that of any sinner. Lord, how can you forgive President Putin? Lord, how can you forgive me? That's the thing about grace. It's not deserved. It's not earned. It's a gift. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of grace. That no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, even if we are as bad as Judas, you forgive us. Praise the Lord. And amen.